you're tuning in to the Welcome to Motherhood podcast, the series that helps to make motherhood easier, one podcast at a time. I'm your host, Natasha Suttle, mum of four, midwife, educator, terrible housewife, and huge advocate for ditching the mum guilt. Find advice for all your motherhood questions from birth onwards. So here we go, let's get into it. Probably around 40-ish weeks, give or take, you have finally ended the pregnancy journey. The birth of your beautiful baby has happened and you are now a mother. Hey, it might be your first baby or your eighth, but congratulations all the same. You are more than likely spent the last few months focused on birth. The options, the breathing, the positions, the places to birth, who'll be there, the almighty regularly asked question of what you packed in the birth bag. But how much time did you actually put into working out what you actually do once you have this baby? It is usually pretty safe to assume, and I'm going to make the assumption here, that the answer to this is nowhere near enough, and nowhere near as much time as you will put into planning the big event. But it's often said and joked about, and as I'm a midwife, I always mention it, even though I think mums often think I'm joking, that the hardest work and the part that you're going to need the most help with is actually the parenting itself. I'm going to be ballsy and say this. So I'm going to say that labor, disclaimer, even though it is not pleasant at times to say the least, labor is far easier than actual parenting. Today, we're going to delve into the first 48 hours with your baby. We're going to look at the nitty gritty of what just happened to your body and yes I know this can be absolutely daunting to even think about what's going on down there right now and what's also what's happening to your baby in those first two days. It just might help make things make a little bit more sense to you as you struggle through this pretty challenging few days. So hey if you're listening to this pregnant that is awesome. You will have an absolute heads up on what to expect. I will say again another disclaimer A bit of pre-warning can help make these first two days so much easier, but you may cringe with some of the things I'm about to talk about. And hey, if you're listening to this while sitting, looking at your newborn, your gorgeous creation, and wondering what the heck you're supposed to do now, keep an ear out, sister, I gotcha. I know there will be a few listening who are past this stage now too, but hey, keep tuning in, as this may just help you understand how that first two days with your baby went and why they were like they were. And also might help you give advice to other new mums. Or hey, you may have another one soon and it might be good to have a bit of a heads up this time. So let's get right into episode one, the first 48 hours. In order to look at the first 48 hours, we need to start at the absolute beginning of this motherhood journey. The moment you go from being the nurturer and provider for your baby whilst inside you to the moment that little baby is now outside you in the world, earthside, and your now nurturing and providing role changes shape to something extraordinary, yet absolutely smash you in the face kind of scary. And that's the only way I can describe it. Your baby's here. Whether you had that baby by vaginal delivery, cesarean section, you don't get me started on how amazing both kinds of births can be because I'll be going on for the rest of the episode. Be proud, mum, no matter what part of your body that baby came out of. You may have bored your eyes out, in a tear-jerking moment, straight out of a beautiful Hollywood movie when you first saw your baby. Or you may have been so exhausted, overwhelmed, and you pretty much just breathed a sigh of relief that labor was over. And you also may have said something odd and awkward when first seeing your baby. 
And hey, I personally, for my first baby, said, can I keep her? That now in all my years of delivering babies, I've heard some doozies, but no one else has ever said, can I keep her? And obviously the uh, midwife and doctor said yes, because it was my baby and she was my responsibility, but I still said it. It doesn't matter how you first reacted. So please, please, please do not feel less motherly or like your bond is any less or any guilt because your friend may have gushed with tears and have huge displays of emotion, probably all over Facebook and Instagram too, at her squishy little vernix covered newbie when you kind of went, oh, it's done. Thank goodness. No guilt. Either way, you're still a mum. Anywho, back to it. So labor's done. And now you are probably pretty sore, actually really, really, really sore, and also probably wondering why you have a fresh blood-filled waterfall running down your legs each time you stand up. And yep, even if you have a cesarean, you're still going to have the same. So absolutely normal part of the postpartum experience. You may have had some stitches, and I cringe even saying this, but you may have had some stitches in places you never even imagined existed. If you had a vaginal birth, you may also feel like there's a throbbing basketball between your legs and your insides are pretty much about to fall out to the floor. Again, all pretty normal. Welcome to motherhood. Those cesarean mums don't get any easier. So you guys out there sitting there right now after having a Caesar, you're probably struggling to absolutely move in any direction. You're still sore. You do not want anyone in their right mind to make you laugh or cough. And because you feel like pretty much your entire abdomen section might rip in half if you do. So either way, your bodies are pretty much quite achy. And yep, I know there are amazing ladies who give birth, bounce off the bed and want to go for a run, but they are the unicorns. They are not common and they are definitely the mothering unicorns. So all in all, you're a mix of emotions. One hand, you're in awe of your new creation and can't fathom how on earth your body created a whole complete new baby. And on the other hand, you are concerned, confused and bewildered at exactly how your body delivered this whole complete new baby. When it comes to postpartum bleeding, that will be a topic that often gets brought up now you have delivered. Trust me, your midwives and doctors will ask you in nearly every conversation you have with them, how's your bleeding? How heavy? What color? How much? What size clots? You name it. You'll also potentially have a small clot that comes out. And yes, I know, maybe too much info. If you're listening to this pregnant, you may be cringing. But if you're listening to this after having your bub, all this blood talk will be probably really normal and quite nice to hear. Anyway, back to the clot. A small clot can be normal, but you wouldn't be odd, abnormal or morbid if you felt the need to keep it on a pad or toilet paper to show your midwife or doctor. Because basically that's okay to check it's okay. I have had so many women do this And nearly every time they say things like, I'm sorry, I know it's gross, but, or this is weird, I know, but I wanted to show you and things like that. As a midwife, it is literally our business as usual. And we're totally fine with doing these kind of things. So I promise you'll never need to worry that you're going to feel judged by doing that. On keeping with this theme of blood loss that we've got going on, I now want to talk pads. Maternity pads are an essential item postpartum, and you probably know this, but I'm going to go into a bit more depth about this theme. You'll usually only need the hardcore versions for the first week, and then regular pads will do for the few next weeks after that. But in those early days, Shish, you will need some good quality ones and comfy. I have seen women do things like double up end to end on the big surfboards, as they call them, big maternity pads, to really cover up every spot possible. 
And we often will give you those in the hospital as well. And again, we don't judge. It's pretty normal to do this. Otherwise, lately, I have seen more and more women using actually using disposable incontinence underwear post-birth. You know what I mean? They seem really big and kind of old lady-ish, but at the end of the day, everyone I've seen use them freaking loved them. Apparently, they're comfier and less washing for leakage, if you know what I mean. If I had my time again, to be honest, which I won't, I have four children is plenty, but if I did, I would have rocked the incontinence undies post-birth, absolutely. I'm actually quite sad that two years ago when I had my last, I actually didn't know about this new phenomenon. So anyway, let's roll this back. You've delivered, you're bleeding, and you're sore. It does not sound like the poster advert for new motherhood, I know, but these are the realities that you need to know of and know to expect in order to not be completely shocked at what your amazing body's doing. In my research, I recently discovered that there was a chunk of women out there that did not know why they were bleeding. Some thoughts from them when I looked into it more was that they thought it was their body bleeding from internal damage of pushing out a baby, that it was their bleeding from their tear for many, many weeks afterwards it was still bleeding. The uterus, or they thought the uterus was having lots of periods, so you wouldn't risk being pregnant again. And your body was just ejecting the extra blood you housed as you grew the baby. All of these are generally wrong. So I wanted to lay it out as simple as I can, the reason why your body bleeds and then why it bleeds so much, especially in those early days. So let's break it down. When you're pregnant, you have your freaking amazing placenta. And if you don't know what a placenta is, feel free to Google some photos. You may or may not like the photos, but it is one of my favorite things. Placentas, for those of you who think you might know what I'm talking about, it's Kind of looks like semi-steak looking chunk. It literally keeps your baby alive in pregnancy. It's attached to the inside of your uterus lining and it feeds your baby through its umbilical cord. The placenta, again, I'll say it, it is one of my most favorite things in the world for the work it does. I think nothing pretty much compares. The placenta provides the link between your own blood supply and all the nutrients you've got going on and whatever you're eating and getting the goodness through to the baby. In order to stay firmly planted and working, the placenta has to basically, in simple terms, dig its little roots into the uterus wall to stay solidly planted until after you deliver your baby. And then it's done its job. So it shears away from the uterus and comes out. What do you think that leaves? It leaves a pretty decent size, like a wound, to say, to want a better term, on the inside of your uterus with those blood vessels that were there feeding your baby. Your hormones are pretty much working on overload, doing their thing to get your body to calm itself down and stop thinking it needs to pump blood to the uterus and the placenta as the placenta and baby have now been delivered. So as your uterus shrinks, I mean, imagine this uterus. This uterus is normally the size of a fist. It has grown in this pregnancy to house and hold your whole entire baby. So it has a lot of work to do to get back down to normal. As it shrinks, it is hella crampy. As you know, if you've had a baby before, after pains are not pleasant and little disclaimer, they do get worse with every pregnancy and I'll go into that in a later episode. So yeah, you're back, you're cramping. As you can imagine, it needs to get down to the size of a fist pretty quick smart and it's a lot of cramping it needs to do. As it's cramping though, it is clamping off those blood vessels that are sitting there trying to pump blood. So you're clamping down on those so that blood reduces. And also it's going to um, reduce the size of that big wound that's being left on the inside of your uterus by shrinking down. So that's enough detail, but I just hope it gives you a little bit more of an understanding on why on earth you bleed and also why on earth it carries on for sometimes up to six weeks, sometimes less, but up to six weeks is still totally normal. 
So shall we progress from blood? Yeah, why not? Let's go on to a really basic overview on how to juggle the first 48 hours of breastfeeding. A far more in-depth breastfeeding advice session and tips will come in a future episode, as well as an amazing interview with a lactation consultant. But for this episode, it's all about bite-sized chunks of how to survive these first days of breastfeeding. Have you actually put time and energy and effort into working out your feeding? What to do, how to hold the baby, how often, what's normal, etc.? I'm going to stop though. I do want to say right here and right now, I am a huge advocate for doing what works for you. Yes, breast is best, but in a happy mum, a fed baby and educated choices are the best best you can have. So right now, if you are not breastfeeding, you might be feeling of feeding express milk or you might be feeding formula. I am not here to judge at all. You need to do what is working and what's right for you and your baby. So when I talk breastfeeding, just know I will always, and I do always support all decisions when it comes to infant feeding, as I know how hard and tough and emotional both decisions can be. So after that little pep talk, I'm going to get back to let's talk in breastfeeding. For the mamas listening who are juggling this at the moment with their newbies. In pregnancy, I often find that only a small amount of focus goes into the realities of breastfeeding. Often women may go to one or two breastfeeding classes maybe or maybe a little bit of a session in their antenatal classes, but that's if any in general. And again, I speak for women as a general population, of course, but I do know that some have put lots of research and time into breastfeeding. But often the idea is that I have nipples, I have a baby, I'm going to breastfeed. And in real life, seldomly is as easy as this. My best advice, to be honest, when pregnant is to watch videos of how to latch a baby, go to a breastfeeding class if you're able to, do some YouTube searching about breastfeeding, do some reading, and just put some time into working out how to latch, position, and hold your baby to help make breastfeeding easier, especially for you in those early tricky days. Most babies don't just latch perfectly. Or if they do seem to latch really easily and perfectly, they often are doing damage because they're not. And it'll be damage to your nipples. And that is a killer after the first day or two. Trust me. I have seen so many women say on the first day of having a baby in hospital, oh, it's so easy. The baby just goes on and I offer help. And they say, no, it's fine. I don't need any help. Day two, they're in tears. Their nipples are sore. And they are like, what is going on? So there are multiple positions you can try with your baby to help them latch best. They are going to need a super duper wide open mouth. Those little mouth sucks are going to do some serious damage. Disclaimer, do not let your baby open their mouth a tiny amount and shove a nipple in. Your nipple needs to be high at the top and the back of their mouth. And as I'm saying these things, some of you will be nodding and thinking, yep, I know this. Thanks, Tash. Why are we going over this? But there'll also be a whole lot of you thinking, oh my gosh, I had no idea I was going to aim the nipple for the middle of the mouth and let them suck on the nipple and the milk would come out. Your baby should have what can seem like most of your breasts in their mouth at times, depending on the size of your breasts. But they do, they need a huge mouthful in order to really get, suck it on, for want of a better word, and do their thing. They literally have to milk the breast, not just the nipple. The more you watch videos, the more you ask to have your latch checked while you're being seen by a midwife in hospital, putting time into getting this right makes those early days so much more pleasant and it makes your breastfeeding journey set up to be far more positive going forward. The sooner your baby works out what to do, and the sooner you also work out what you're doing, you're going to have less cracked nipples, less nipple damage, and a better feeding journey from the start. 
Because let me tell you, cracked and bleeding nipples, you will wish you looked into latching earlier once you get those, trust me. Another big, big tip that I know women often struggle with, and if I can tell you one thing to take away from this little talk on breastfeeding, actually, I'm going to say two. I'm going to tell you two things. I have two takeaways that I wish people knew. The first one, listen here, don't forget to remember this at all times. If your baby is latched wrong or it is sore, and I don't mean sore the initial few sucks as it's tender, I mean as they're feeding it continues to be sore, take them off. So many ladies keep them on as it has stopped the baby crying or they just wanted them to drink, so they leave them on. But if you keep a baby on when it is so sore and the baby has not latched well, you are literally damaging your poor wee nipples with every single suck. Trust me, take them off and start again. You will thank me later, I promise. The second thing that I wanted to add in is my second takeaway. Often I find women trying to use their hands to shape their breasts and help get baby on, especially if you've got larger size breasts that can be slightly helpful. Just so baby can really get a bite-sized chunk to latch onto, they get their hands in there. But often I'll walk into a room and I have to intervene as they're shaping their breasts the wrong way. If your baby, got to get a picture in your head here, if your baby's lying across your lap and you want to get your baby to help her get on and do some shaping of your breast, you're basically generally making the breast the shape of a cheeseburger to get into your baby's mouth. It's hard to describe on a podcast without photos, but I can put um, something up on my Instagram later for those of you to see. But when your baby, you need to look at the mouth to boob angle. So you want to make sure the way you're shaping your breasts, the baby's mouth is actually biting the breast like a cheeseburger. I've walked in and seen babies, baby's mouths horizontal and the breast is being shaped vertical and vice versa. So you just need to really take in mind which way you're shaping your breasts. Again, difficult to explain in a podcast, but I will put a picture up because those are my two takeaways of breastfeeding. There's going to be, like I said before, a lot more in-depth breastfeeding talk in coming episodes. But if you can keep those two things in mind on those first couple of days, as well as the notion that your midwife is there to check, they're there to help, they're there to get it looked at. If you think it's right, even still ask for that to be checked. It just gives you that confidence and reassurance in those early days to learn what you're doing and make sure it is correct. So I could talk for far too long about breastfeeding on here, but as I said, I've got a specialist breastfeeding queen jumping on here with me in a few episodes, so she'll be giving you far more tips, knowledge, and life-changing advice than I ever could. So I shall save that for another episode. Anyway, you move on to another big subject here that gets mentioned in those first two days, the cluster feeds. Hopefully your midwife warned you and is that your baby in that first 24 hours will more than likely be pretty chilled, pretty tired, and pretty relaxed as far as wanting feeds goes. That little bub has gone through a massive life-changing event in order to be born, so as you are, they're recovering for the first 24 hours. It is, and I reckon, is to lull you into a false sense of security as to how much easier this parenting gig is going to be. So you all don't jump ship on day one, am I right? So day one with your baby will usually, they'll sleep okay in their hospital cot even. They'll often go for about six hours without really wanting a feed and generally appear pretty calm. And you know what happens after that first 24 hours is up? All of that changes in the blink of an eye. That chilled out cot sleeper often won't even go near their cot for more than a few minutes and want to only be on you to settle. They appear a tad more cranky 
than the blissful soul that graced you with their presence the day before. And as far as feeding goes, oh, here we go, the cluster feeds. This is that second 24-hour time period, and it usually lasts itself for around 24 hours. So taking you up to day three. A normal, well, healthy baby will cry, appear starving, and usually want to be attached to a breast for most of that period, appearing pretty famished if their last feed was more than an hour ago. This is normal. But if you're not prepared for it, if you're sitting there comparing day one to day two, and if you don't know that this is normal, this is where beautiful, tired, hormonal new mothers break down. I can't make enough milk. I can't settle my own baby. They'll only sleep on me. I can't latch them properly. I need sleep so bad. My nipples are bleeding. Basically, all of those things and more. If you pause right here and rewind in your mind what my big breastfeeding takeaways were, get the latch right or take them off. Otherwise, big red warning flashing lights here, you will do damage and it will be horrid, I promise. So now think cluster feeding. Can you see how freaking tempting it is to leave that baby on with a crappy latch if you have finally stopped them crying and you have finally got silence and you think they're starving and you just want them to feed and settle? Yes, it is so tempting to leave them on here with their half pie latch and some pain in those cluster feeding times. But you know what's also going to come from that little feed? Cratch and potentially bleeding nipples, which, in case you haven't had them before, are not a fun time and don't just heal overnight either. So let's really get those breastfeeding take-home messages sink in. And please only keep babies on with a good latch. For your sake, and more importantly, for those little nipples' sake. They'll thank you later. So. Prepare for a pretty awful 24 hours on that second day. With that little knowledge and forewarning, it will at least make you feel like it's not you being a mothering failure. And I see so many women in tears as they are completely unaware of this being normal. And they absolutely doubt their abilities and it is heartbreaking to see. But hopefully you guys will now know that it's instead of that, it's a normal part of nature. And you know why it happens? To bring in your milk. Breast milk usually starts to come in or in, in or around day three. Of course, sometimes earlier, sometimes slightly later. But I'm going to rock with the average here, which is generally around day three. So that really crappy day two, that baby sucking for dear life all day and night for 24 hours, is to stimulate your body to kick that milk production system into overdrive and move on from colostrum to what most mums generally just refer to as, hey, my milk's coming. There is a method behind the madness. Our bodies and our babies' ability to know exactly what to do, what an amazing thing it is. But you need to keep that in mind because at 3 a.m., between the tears and the hormones and this constant feeding baby, please, please, please remember. And remember, and this is where I drop in my most favorite, favorite, favorite parenting saying ever that you will probably hear in the majority of my episodes, so be warned, this too shall pass. First 48 hours, total mixed bag of emotions. You've got elation, you've got relief, joy, love, pride, fear, anxiety, stress, exhaustion, concern, worry, and sometimes sadness. But often with more knowledge of what those days will entail, you can actually rock into it feeling more prepared and have that knowledge of what to expect. It completely reduces the feelings of confusion, of concern over what's happening to you, and also worrying about if what your baby's doing is normal. There are so many things to learn when it comes to parenting and no one expects you to know it all. But with a few key takeaway messages, 
a bit of foresight, especially into that second 24 hours, and a toolkit of tips and tricks you can definitely walk away from here and walk into motherhood with a bit more confidence and a bit more know-how. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Welcome to Motherhood podcast. Be sure to subscribe to be alerted when each new episode hits the airwaves. I hope you enjoyed it and can walk away with a few key take-home messages to help you make your motherhood journey that little bit easier. See you next time.